0: Listening To the best of living wealthy radio with Teresa Kuhn. Be sure to catch our show live every Sunday on 1370 AM Austin. For information, archives, and upcoming presentations, visit our website at www.livingwealthyradio.com. Welcome to Living Wealthy Radio with your host, Teresa Kuhn. Good
1: afternoon. You're listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard every Sunday at noon here on Talk Radio, 1370 AM, streaming live at Talk1370.com. I'm Teresa Kuhn, helping you live wealthier. Resources are available for you at LivingWealthyRadio.com. Do you sometimes feel like you're
0: just
1: disp- Spinning your wheels and not making a significant impact with your life, whether at work or in your relationships? Do you ever wonder what it would be like to have more of an influence with your friends and loved ones or to really get somewhere in your career or your business? If you're a business owner or a leader, wouldn't you like to have more influence, positive influence, that is, on your employees or clients? Well, where does that start? What's the secret to real success in business and relationships? Or just life in general. Well, our guest today, Dr. Jim Harris, is a speaker, consultant, coach who has helped global companies and individuals find higher levels of success and significance. He's the author of many books, but one award-winning book, including The Impactor: A Parable on Transformational Leadership, and he's going to share with us the secrets that have helped successful people around the globe reach their maximum impact and potential. So welcome to the show, Dr. Jim.
0: Thank you so much, Teresa. It really is a pleasure to be with you today.
1: Thank you, thank you so much. So I was um you know when I was checking out your credentials, I noticed that one of my favorite entrepreneurs, Nito kabin, um said that you were a genius in leadership and organizational- ac- excellence
0: well, you know Teresa, that kind of p r costs me a fortune. <laughs> you
1: <laughs> well, it must have, and I I know Nito Cabane is um, he's a genius in in his own right. He's
0: the genius. He is the he genius. He was kind enough. I was um, many years ago. Nito began a entrepreneurial training system, and he had a select few professional speakers. He offered to come in and spend four days with him, and I was in his first class, and I it transformed the way that I look at my uh, my speaking and consulting. And advising, do a lot of retainer relationships now built upon what Nito taught me. And Nito Cobain is truly a man that we could emulate. I encourage anyone to go to NitoCobain.com, NitoCobain, Q-U-B-E-I-N.com. Buy his books and tapes and resources. This man knows what success and significance is all about.
1: He certainly does. So for me, that gave you the stamp of approval I needed to bring you on the show. So,
0: Thank you. There
1: you go. That, that, um, that class you took with him, that workshop you took with him many decades ago have, have paid off today. Yes, it has. Yes. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about um, how you became an expert in impact.
0: Well, it really began, I believe, in my college years all the way through my graduate work, my doctoral work at the University of Florida. Now, being a Miami graduate, you won't hold me being a Gator against me, will you?
1: No, not at all. University okay. of Miami and and Gator, they have a
0: long... Um, a long and fun history, yes.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely.
0: Rival. It really began there because I looked and I studied communication all throughout my college career. Now, I studied particularly not just small group and leadership dynamics, but source credibility, ethos, as it was called by Aristotle. And ethos is simply, if you will, source credibility, are you worthy of being believed? So in many ways, the foundation for some of the, if you call them secrets, if you will, the actually fundamental truths began in that college career. Then I had a fast-track corporate career that ended five years at a Fortune 500 headquarters, leading all the executive and leadership and management development for this 40,000 associate, um, 1,700 location retailer. And then after that five-year stint, teaching leadership and success and impact with employees, I started on my own and now have written 11 books. The most recent, The Impactor*, you mentioned at the beginning of the introduction of the program, that is kind of a culmination, really, Teresa, of many of the lessons I've learned over the last 30 years and four absolute essential leadership virtues that really will put anyone, be a mom, a dad, a student, and particularly a business leader, on the road to higher levels of impact. So what are those four
1: values, so to speak?
0: Well, I call them um, virtues, and values is fine, but I call them virtues not only for a, a, a differentiation, but the word virtue itself, Teresa, as you know, is really a special moral quality of excellence. And that moral is important. And what I have found is that great leaders possess four virtues, at least four. Maybe not all, but at least these four. It begins with character. And we can go deep into why character is the first and most important. It begins with character. It's lived through competence. But then your leadership and your impact is tested through courage. And finally, it's measured by your commitment. So the four virtues that I have found consistent with Every great leader that I've studied, worked with, coached, advised, is character, competence, courage, and commitment.
1: So, character, the first one. I mean, that seems so obvious, right? But there's... it seems
0: obvious, but you know and I know, even in the financial community that where you live an expert, it is truly a rare commodity, isn't it?
1: Well, You can look at the news and you can look at our our government leaders and business leaders and say, you know, character uh, character seems so um, situational,
0: right? In some ways, but you know where most of business leaders and managers, and we'll kind of take it back to business leaders first, they don't often start with character as the foundation of their impact. They start with a second virtue, competence the depth of your skill, rather than character, the depth of your moral convictions. Today, employees more than ever before, more than I have seen since I came out of college in the late 80s, more than ever before, are looking for leaders, first and foremost, of character, even more so than great competence.
1: All right. And why do you think that is?
0: Because great competence with little character is disastrous. When you think about it, there's most of the leadership development literature we see today is based upon skill development. How can someone become better skilled, better knowledge at what they do, but not so much on who they are as a person and what they represent? In character itself, I see three basic components that combine for strong character, first is wisdom, knowing the right thing to do, knowing clearly in your mind, Teresa, what you see is right, what you see is wrong. What are those fundamental moral principles upon which you build yourself as a person? It starts with wisdom, knowing the right thing to do. Then character also includes doing it. That's integrity. It's one thing to know it. It's a second thing to do it. Integrity is doing what you know is right. And the third piece of character is self-discipline, doing it even when it's tough. So when you clearly define for yourself the right thing to do, have the integrity to do it, do what you say, walk your talk, and then do it even when it's tough, now you're walking in character.
1: So knowing the right thing to do, you know, some would say it's situational or it's subjective.
0: Ethics are situational morals are eternal okay so So as you look and that's one of the differentiations i make in my executive coaching and my speaking is that when you look at ethics ethics are situational and yes that's exactly right ethics can be situational but people are looking beyond ethics we need to look at what you believe down deep ethics and you know, if if you do something as a leader, as a manager, as a financial advisor like you are, Teresa, you can do a lot of things that are ethical and legal, but they may not necessarily be moral. They may not be the right thing to do, but they're legal. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're even a little ethical, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's just not moral. And so, what I'm bringing to the forefront, and, and what I'm hoping to, to to change the conversation on, let's go a little bit deeper than just what's legal, and even what is situationally ethical. There's more fundamental principles here. Now, what you believe is right may be different from what I believe is right, viva la difference. But once you determine, as a leader, this is what I stand for. This. Is what I believe is right, then you will attract like-minded, like-thinking, like minded, like thinking, like spirit driven employees, and you will be far more likely to be able to lead them whether you have high competence or not.
1: I think you're absolutely right that people are looking for leadership. People are looking for someone to follow. I think yes. there's such a, a thirst, such a hunger for that. There I is. think people do appreciate that. Um, it, it, it's, it's confusing out there. Our world is very, very confusing. The, the uh, business workplace can be very confusing. Um, it used to be, or it seemed to be, that if you got on a certain track, you knew what your future could be like, what it would look like, where you could end up, and today the rules are changing. Business is changing so quickly
0: so. It, it 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 really is, and Teresa, you know this as well, or even better than I. Your next book should possibly be exactly on the same topic, because you live in an area where a lot of customers question the character of their financial advisors. And once you find someone like you who is totally trustworthy, totally morally sound, is going to do the right thing and give the right advice, that's invaluable to customers as much as it is to students looking at professors or kids looking at their mom and dad.
1: Mhm. So yeah, especially with kids. I mean, I think that's when you're talking about the home life, right? If parents are saying, you know, do the right thing and be honest, but the kids see notice mom and dad taking shortcuts or times that mom and dad are not being honest. In their day to day, they're not walking the talk. They're not being congruent. Kids will remember that every instant.
0: Isn't that the truth? And see, Teresa, you've you just hit upon why I like to start the conversations with character. Well, we must start with character because competence, I could be a very good listener as a mom and dad. I could really listen and I could really have solid competence in my listening and communication skills, but if my kids know that my character is weak or shallow, it doesn't matter how good a listener is, I am, they're really going to believe the character and not the competence.
1: Do you have any examples of um, business leaders or perhaps those in government that we might know um, that you think uh, is a great example of character?
0: Whether you agree with them or not, that, that's irrelevant. Let's just look at the study of character. I think that Dan Cathy recently um and also um uh you know what they've gone through with Chick fil A and some of the uh you know, some of the media coverage and some of the attacks that Chick fil A and even more so um with um, um uh excuse me, I'm with um uh David Green at Hobby Lobby, with their stand that they took all the way to the Supreme Court, is just two examples of men and companies who agree or disagree, stood on their principles, stood on their moral foundation, and they did the what their legal rights to pursue it, particularly with David Green through the courts, and actually won in the Hobby Lobby case on some of the requirements of the new laws. So. Agree or not agree, these men were demonstrating and building their case based upon their strong character, what they believed was the right thing to do.
1: Well, certainly Chick-fil-A has always impressed me that they are closed on Sundays. Um,
0: because Isn't that interesting?
1: That I, That's fascinating, especially in the industry that they're in. Uh, the amount of revenue that they are... Um, walking away from by being closed?
0: You know, actually, I just uh, was chatting just a couple of weeks ago with one of the local franchise owners of, uh, they're not they're not te- technically a franchise, they're all basically company owned, um, of one of the local owners of a, a Chick-fil-A. They really don't walk away from money. They've been able to estimate It's interesting, Teresa, that they actually earn more money not being open on Sunday than they would if they were, because that would dilute the market and People that know that they their stance why they do it to give families a chance to spend time together whether they go to a church or a synagogue or not that's really secondary they want their families to spend time and if they so choose and they would be fine with them going to you know a, a religious institute um, you know to share their faith but they want their families they're so strong in the families and they know that per square foot and for restaurants they actually make sometimes three and four times as much profit and revenue than those that are open seven days a week in the fast food industry. It's amazing.
1: That is amazing. Well, I've certainly um, respected that company so much for being closed on Sundays. I think that's fantastic. Yes. So first is character and then competence. We certainly know a lot of... Uh, I think people that are very, um, that we can consider high in integrity, but when it comes down to competence, we're like, oh, my gosh, what were they thinking? They, they're clueless, or they're wrong, or they don't know what they're talking about.
0: That is that, that happens sometimes. But you know what I have seen is actually more the opposite. Very competent people, but you wouldn't trust them as far as you could spit them. True. So, yes, what you say does indeed happen. But you know what? I have seen and I have witnessed so many very strong but very quiet men and women over the years that had strong foundations in their character. They were not flamboyant. They were not Donald Trumps out there, if you will. They were, And they would surround themselves with incredibly competent people because they didn't have to be number one. They built incredibly strong teams around them. And they are the they are the ones that have the competence that help carry the company.
1: So, competence. Would you say that's something that you can um, leverage?
0: Absolutely. And in fact, from the leadership perspective, because the book, The Impactor, A Parable on Transformational Leadership, takes how a business leader lives these four virtues in a story, in a a fun story way, um, in a parable, as I call it. Competence for a leader, Teresa, is simply three things. And I have spoken on leadership competencies and written books on leadership. You know, leadership, whether it's a family or a business, really boils down to three things. In a leader. You look for these three things, how well they envision, hey, what's coming next, how well they engage, this is how we're going to do it together, and number three, how they lead the execution. When it comes right down to it, leadership competence is envisioning, engaging, and executing. Now, within each of those are all kinds of skills, but fundamentally, those are the three major components of competence.
1: Really? I I wouldn't have thought that. That's great. So from a leadership perspective, certainly you know, the leaders need to set the vision for the rest of the team to follow, right? That's right. And and so I wouldn't have thought that from a perspective of competence or a definition of competence. Um, Well, when you
0: look at great leaders, you think about what you are looking for. Pick a great political leader, a great business leader, a a great um, spiritual leader. Three things you're really looking for from them. Where are we going? Why are we going there? Envision. Okay, what's my role? How, how can I be a part of this, and why should I be a part of it? That's the engaging. Okay, then how are we going to get it done? What do we need to do? And when you put those three pieces together, and there's a lot of competencies that come under envisioning. You've got to have strategic planning. You've got to understand your customers. A lot of my consulting, a lot of my advising is actually helping um, fast growth, Business, business has come up with a three-year strategic plan. That's a lot of what I do. So I help, I help my clients envision and how are we' going to engage the employees, how we're going to get them involved, And then the leader's role in execution is not doing, but guiding the execution. And so we talk about the skills of what a leader needs to do in terms of executing.
1: Bring that down to the family level.:
0: Well, think about the role of a mom or a dad. This is who we are as a family. This is why we believe what we believe, going back to character. Let's do this together. You're not quite old enough to do this yet, but we want you to do this. And this is why we do this as a family together. That's why we take vacations together. We, we want to, You know, that's, that's how we're going to be a part of that. You have a role in the family. You need to help with the chores, help around the house. And we'll teach you execute we'll teach you how to do this and we'll guide you we will teach you the skills you need to do laundry to learn you know how how to vacuum to um you know everything from rake the yard to wash the car we'll teach you how to do it and then you will be responsible in the execution we will guide that and we will check but here's where we're going as a family while we're going what your role is and then we're going to you're going to help us all get there and everybody has their unique roles
1: If only that were the case for so many families, right? If they had, especially the children, if they had a sense of belonging in a family and there being a united, you know, team or leadership, um, gosh, I think the families would transform. They would just be a totally different society, if we you know, when we there. hear that,
0: I absolutely agree with you, Teresa, and when you hear these phrases like envision and engage and execute, these are not fancy schmancy consultant talks. These are very practical things. It's not difficult. You just have to be intentional. You've got to let that kid know, you know, okay, you're getting ready to drive. Let me tell you what it's like driving out there let me give you an awareness i I want to share where this is going for you now i'm going to get in the car with you we'll engage i'll get in the car and teach you how and as we execute this at first i'm going to sit with you in the car but then after a while you're going to be on your own but i'm going to check in i have the right to check in and to make sure everything's going okay it's just as simple as that
1: Fantastic. Well, we are going to take a quick break. Our guest today is Dr. Jim Harris, and we are discussing the the secret to truly being impactful. Teresa Kuhn with Living Wealthy Radio, we will be right back.
0: living wealthy radio visit teresa's team online at livingwealthyradio.com 1-800-382-0830 now call 1-800-382-0830 welcome back austin to living wealthy radio with teresa coon
1: you're just now joining us for speaking with author and business coach Dr. Jim Harris about four very important virtues uh, that can help you have maximum impact in the business world and in your home and in your relationships. So, um, Dr. Jim, we spoke about character and we spoke about competence And there are two other virtues that that you think are very important, and I think the next one is courage.
0: That's right. It begins with character, who you are, what you stand for. And, Teresa, you know, as a financial professional as you are, what you stand for sometimes is even more important than what you do. And so that's why character is so important. It begins with character. Your impact is built upon character. It's lived through your competence, as we chatted about in the last segment. But then it's tested because your competence and your character will always be te- There will be times when it will be tested, and that's where your courage comes into play. The third virtue is courage. And as I've studied and, and reviewed and written about it, particularly in the book The Impact, or A Parable on Transformational Leadership, courage, Teresa, I've learned has three primary components, three subsets. First is confidence. Confidence. Courageous people have confidence. And you know where confidence is built from? Your competence, the second virtue. The greater your competence, the greater your confidence. Confidence is built upon competence. If you've never stood at the batter's box in the bottom of the ninth inning with a winning run on third base and two outs, you probably don't have a lot of confidence if you're not really good at swinging that, ball, swinging that bat and hitting that ball. But the greater confidence, I've practiced this, I've been in the situation before, I know how to hit curveballs, I know how to hit fastballs, just as one analogy. That gives me greater confidence. That's the first component. The second component of courage is composure. The more confidence you have, Teresa, the the higher your confidence, the higher your composure. You don't fear those situations. My confidence leads to my composure. And the last component of courage is, is then boldness. When you have high confidence and high composure under pressure, you can then take some of the bold steps a leader, a parent, a politician needs to take to live out their competence and their character. So courage is built upon confidence, composure, and boldness.
1: So give us some practical examples of this in action.
0: I love to think about Hank Aaron standing at the plate during those years, many years ago when he broke Babe Ruth's baseball record. Come back to baseball for just a second. And when um, a very good friend, in fact, it's the pastor of the church that I attend, I had the thrill of going fishing with Hank Aaron a few years ago. And he said, Hank, how could you stand up there with all that pressure, and in the 70s, even racial, racial pressure, as he was breaking Babe Ruth's record, how could you stand up there? And he simply said, I see the ball, and I hit it. He had the confidence and the composure and even the boldness to say, I've been here before. You know, I'm at the plate. I own this place. I, I can do this. And so he just said, I see it. He blocked out everything else and just focused on exactly what he needed to do. That took great courage. So like with a family... um like we were just uh, chatting at break, Teresa, that we both have 18 and 19 year old uh, children that are starting to walk out on their own, and when they come come out from under our uh, our protection, their confidence is probably not going to be great that they can handle negotiating automobile, um, you know, insurance or negotiating that first rental agreement wherever they're going, or that they can maneuver through the college issues they need to maneuver through the first few weeks, it's going to take a little bit of time for them to build up their confidence. But as they do, they'll have great composure by the time they're a sophomore in their second year of their work. And then they'll finally be able to stand up and say, you know, I've been here before. I can handle this even if something really drastically changes. They're building their courage a little bit at a time.
1: Right. Great example. That's so true. And in terms of leadership, you know, you certainly want someone who um you know even if it's if it's not necessarily um you know i'm thinking of a, a leader i don't i certainly don't want a leader to be totally um transparent if they're not very secure, if they're not feeling very secure, right? That's true. And so um, even if they're scared to death of what, what's coming, you certainly want a leader to be bold and to be confident and confidence, right? That's right. Um, because if they're not confident, then certainly, you know, if, if your child is looking at you and you're thinking, you know, terrible thoughts and you're anxious and worried and they're getting ready to drive into a snowstorm, that's not giving them a whole lot of confidence in their ability. Right That's and a great so,
0: example.
1: Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things. Very very interesting.
0: Now you're and, not saying that because it's probably snowing in Austin right now, now Lori.
1: No, I, I was thinking yesterday <laughs> we we were we we were actually a couple hours away, and my son drove home in the rain and um, yeah. you know country roads, and I wasn't with him. Uh, we took different cars, separate cars, and I was just remembering. You know, all I said was drive safe because I've got to control my anxiety and my fears, right? Oh, with that's him. a great
0: example.
1: And instead of saying, oh, my gosh, you know, the roads are so slick and you've got the country roads, it was like, you know, you're a great driver. Good luck. You know, drive safe.
0: If you had just focused on all the things that could have gone wrong, where would your son's confidence be that he could drive through it, right?
1: Uh, well, and there's that... That balance, because, you know, he's 18, I don't want him to be too confident. <laughs> right?
0: Isn't that the truth? So,
1: oh, from a parenting perspective,
0: it's so tricky. Oh, I tell you, leadership in business is simple compared to leadership in the home, isn't it?
1: Oh, my goodness, absolutely. <laughs> you know, the business, I don't know, the stakes can be high, but what's what higher stakes are there than, than our children, right, and their future and their well-being?
0: I love, years ago, there was a commercial from an antiperspirant company, of all things. You might remember it. Never let them see you sweat. Yes, absolutely. That? Was that that many years ago? Well, uh, that was back when Dan Reeves was still with the Broncos in the 80s, and so I think it goes back a few years.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I remember it. I remember it. Never You're let them sweat. not
0: that write. old, Teresa. Don't even say that. <laughs>
1: Thank you. I'm, I'm uh, older than I appear. Let's put it that way. Um, I've been working with money for almost 30 years. So that tells you something. Wow. Yeah. So the last virtue is commitment.
0: And, you know, you would think that, well, why do you even have that in there, Jim? Well, let's go back and review the other three real quick. Character. Your your impact in life, in business, in family, your impact is based upon, is built upon character. It's lived through competence. It's tested through courage. But then it's achieved through commitment. You just want to do it one time. You want to have a long-term, in fact, as I... I had to find commitment in the book the the impactor it's dedication to a long term course of action. You really don't want to commit to a leader that you know is only in for the short term to come in, turn the company around for instance, eighteen months, sell it, you know, cash it out, and leave no, 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 and you're not going to be committed to a parent that you're not sure is going to be there through the tough times over the long haul you're just not going to happen. So when it comes to really leading with impact, you've got to have this last virtue, commitment, as a vital piece of your leadership portfolio.
1: And, of course, that makes perfect sense, right? Who who wants to follow somebody who is either um, getting ready to jump ship or getting ready to, you know, chase the next shiny penny? That's right. Right, You want someone, you know, the captain of a ship, you want them to know they're, they're willing, they're committed to go down with the ship if necessary.
0: You know, it almost sounds like, well, why do you mention it? But when you think about it, this has got to be part of it. It's got to be. And it's got to be a vibrant part of your leadership to demonstrate your commitment to be there for the long haul.
1: Right. Okay. So a practical example, either, you know, government or business that we might be familiar with of someone committed?
0: Well, I think there's a lot of great examples in business of leaders that are not committed for the long term. You know there is coming around to either break apart the company, sell the stock, you you know, slash and burn. We see so many examples in bigger businesses that way. I prefer to look at folks like the late Stephen Jobs, and he was there for the long term. Once he came back to Apple, he was there for the long term. He wasn't just coming in to get a nice big chunk of change and leave. He was passionate for the long term. Um, you know, We mentioned David Green at Hobby Lobby. He's for the long term, in fact, his company, think about this, his family does not own and no employees own any personal stock in Hobby Lobby. Did you know that?
1: No, I had no idea.
0: Whoever works at Hobby Lobby, including family members, Mm -hmm. whatever their salary is, that's what they earn. If the company's ever sold, ninety percent of the stock of the company goes into foundations that supports what they believe in in terms of missions work and good works around the world. You talk about a long-term eternal commitment. Folks like David Green show that. And imagine people coming in knowing, wow, you're not having anything above and beyond special than I have. You don't have a lot of private stock. You're committed to my well-being. That's why they can pay 30%, 40% more than minimum wage as the starting wage at places like Hobby Lobby. They're not looking to the short-term, high-end, I'm going to take what I can. I'm committed to the welfare of the company long-term.
1: Wow. That's uh, very impressive. I did not know that. So who yeah. owns the stock? The foundations?
0: The foundation.
1: So it's like in trust or?
0: Yes. yes. Excellent. And they have, um, they have 10%, Therese, I know you'd be, you'd, you'll be fascinated, but it's 10% of that stock if the company is ever sold which it, they never planned to will go back into ownership of the grandchildren and the members of the family But that's only after it's sold and it's divided in some formula they've come up with in the foundation so little pieces of that stock might be of value down the road if the company is ever sold but that's not their intent at all
1: fantastic
0: isn't well, that interesting?
1: Absolutely. And certainly Stephen Jobs, nobody would ever question his commitment to Apple, yeah, right? Exactly. And it had exactly. nothing to do with the money. He was oh. so totally committed to the vision and innovation and keeping um, you know, the the products that were offered are just just pure within his his vision for the company.
0: That's right. And my wife and I like to say that we're both now I addicted you know i have my macbook pro my iphone you know my ipad and I, I my wife hardly ever leaves the room without her iphone or ipad attached to her so you know we're just kind of i addicted because we we love the technology
1: right and that's his legacy right
0: that's that is right.
1: steve jobs legacy and he's impacted so many millions and millions of people and so he certainly and looking at him um from your filter from your paradigm right Yep. So he was, um, the first virtue was character, whatever you thought about his character from a business perspective. He certainly was uh, a man of character that had certain requirements and objectives for his business.
0: You, he, you clearly understood where he stood, and if you didn't agree with that, then fine, you'll go to Microsoft. That's fine.
1: Right, right, no problem. He was not going to bend
0: nope.
1: for anyone,
0: and you didn't have to agree with him, and I didn't have to agree with him, but you knew where he stood. Right. Period.
1: Competence. He certainly had a competent team.
0: Yes, and, you know, he certainly had some um, individual personality issues. <laughs> but in <laughs> terms of his overall competence, his particularly his member in competence, I suggested there were three components, envision, engage, and execute. Could he envision?
1: Absolutely.
0: He engaged the right folks that had the right the similar characteristics, and he certainly knew how to execute this thing. I mean he may not have done it in the most genteel fashion, but he you know like 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 the old boy says he got her done, get her done,
1: right, he certainly did, and he had courage i mean he certainly um you know he he had the gall to to stick to his guns. he sure did, and certainly committed hmm very interesting. As far as having impact in our personal relationships besides the family, right? We certainly, um, as social beings, we have the opportunity to impact, um, you know, our our relationships with our coworkers and our girlfriends and and couples and, you know, how does this um, set of virtues, how can we be more impactful to those in our lives?
0: You know, really what it boils down to, Teresa, I think is, is a word we hear a lot these days, but it's so true. We just simply need to be more intentional.
1: So what do you think that means?
0: Intentional is keeping these types of virtues at the forefront of your mind. If, if someone you know reads the book The Impact or A Parable on Transformational Leadership, um, if they read it and say, yeah, I want to be more like this. You just need to remind yourself, okay, I want to live a life that is a strong character, of solid competence, of good courage, and of commitment. I want my friends to know this is what I stand for. This is what I'm good at. Maybe I could help you with something that maybe you're not so good at. And I'm going to have the courage to be your friend in good times and bad and maybe to tell you things you may not want to hear but you need to hear. And even after all that, even if you slip and fall, whether you're a great success or a failure, I'm going to be committed to you because you're my friend. Imagine that. That would fit pretty well with one of your girlfriends, wouldn't it, Teresa? Would you like them to come and and basically live that out for you? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I'm involved with a a leadership program, and on a weekly basis, you know, we had to develop our own um, personal values um, statement that we have to review every single week. And by Excellent. reviewing it, and certainly, you know, most of us, uh, it's a small group, but most of us are very successful business owners, and we certainly have values, business values and personal values that we've followed. But this exercise in having to, um, and there's accountability on this, having to review your, your personal values on a weekly basis mm. keeps it at the forefront of the week, and it keeps us in you know intentional that's about right. those values and we've got to report in examples of how we're living those values. Oh that's excellent. And so by being accountable and having to report, what does that do? It keeps us looking for those examples of how we're living our values. Keeps and so it top of mind. Right, it keeps it top of mind. So with your four virtues By just keeping it intentional and keeping it at the forefront of the mind or top of mind, right? Um, Even maybe typing it out and writing it down, right, in in a place that you can look at it. Am I being, you know, a a person of character here? Um, What does that mean? Uh For me, being a person of character, what does that mean? It might look a little bit different for you.
0: That's but exactly right,
1: what does it mean for me? What does it mean for me being congruent my actions and and what I say right yes. and um you know being competent and courageous and committed so um very good excellent
0: um anything you know, else uh-huh what one, one of the most important things that i work with on my strategic clients and my advising. I don't call it consulting because I don't walk in and tell people how to do their jobs. I'm, that's, that's arrogance. But I help them get their thinking straight and I help them uncover what their goals are. That's what I do in my coaching. And then help hold them accountable to their goals. That's really a lot of what I do in my executive coaching. And one of the things I really hone in on with clients as we go through the strategic planning process or values clarification process, yes, what are your top three to four, no more than five values? That's plenty. Let's just go do no more than five. But I force force them, Teresa, to rank order the values in importance. Here's why. Values collide, don't they? They can. Values can collide. Let me give you a vivid example of why this is important not only in business but also in personal life. A few years ago, Disney went through a values reclarification with my friend, Ken Blanchard, and they came out with four values. Um the service vision at the Disney properties is this. We create happiness by providing the finest to, enter, to people of um to uh, finest entertainment to people of the of all ages everywhere. We create happiness by providing the finest entertainment to people of all ages everywhere. We create happiness. Walt Disney said, I want my guests to leave with the same smile they walked in with. So their service vision is It's service. That's their vision. That's what they leave. Service. Great customer service. But it's their number two value. When they live it in the theme parks, service is number two. You know what number one is?
1: I have no idea.
0: Safety. Oh, interesting. Think about it from a mom's perspective, Teresa. You're walking up. And you ask someone, how do you get to Frontierland? And that frontline employee, they're called cast members. When they're working, they're on stage, they're in their role. Mm-hmm. And when that cast member is getting ready to answer me, where, you know, how to get to Frontierland, and then she hears a scream, Boy, what's she supposed to do? Those two values, we have safety and service as our values, but what do I do? What is the most important? If you don't clearly rank order these four-year employees, you're artificially setting them up in a values collision, and they won't know what to do. Very interesting. You take care of the screen first and let them figure out how to get to Frontierland, even though that's actually your service vision. Mm -hmm. It's critically important that you rank order those values because they will collide, and something's got to be first
1: very interesting. Well, Dr. Jim, this has been great. Um, we will post a link to your website um, on our on our livingwealthyradio.com website. Um, but real quick, it's to higherlevel.com, is that correct? That's right.
0: T O dot com.
1: All right, and your latest book is called
0: The Impactor, a parable on transformational leadership. You can come to my site. You can go to Amazon.com. The Impactor, a parable on transformational leadership. It's sold anywhere online you wish to look, and you can also get it at the website.
1: Fantastic. Well, Dr. Jim, thank you so much for joining us today on Living Wealthy Radio, and um, you keep doing the work that you're doing. It's, It's certainly making an impact.
0: Thank you, Teresa. It's been a pleasure being with you. Thank you so much.
1: Take good care. God bless you've been listening to living wealthy radio on talk 1370 and streaming live at talk 1370.com i'm Teresa coon and i hope you'll join me again next week as i show you ways to live wealthier Resources are available for you on our website at livingwealthyradio.com.